بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله النبي الكريم أما بعد As we approach the month of Ramadan and this past year we have lost so many ulama and elders and so many of them have left this world I thought we'd read a book that has to do with death There's a book written by Sheikh Al-Hadith Marana Yusuf Matala Rahmatullahi Ali who also passed away recently and he wrote a Urdu book and there's an English translation for it which is called The Final Moments of the Pious and we hope and we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we also live such a beautiful life that we receive a beautiful death inshallah in a manner that pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So inshallah we'll go over and read this book and then we'll have you know, some kind of explanation occasionally throughout while we're reading inshallah. Introduction Bismillahirrahmanirrahim A human being's salvation depends on his state at the time of death. He will enjoy eternal comfort should he be blessed with the gift of a virtuous end Al-Husn Al-Khatimah. Otherwise he will taste a boundless punishment. It is for this reason that the noble prophets and the pious servants of the Muslim Ummah constantly feared Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's attribute of independent, yani as-samad, contemplating as to the state in which their souls shall be extracted or will be extracted at the time of death. And the character of the pious. Allama Abdul Wahhab al-Sha'arani rahmatullahi alayhi writes in Ahwal al-Sadiqeen, That to fear Allah giving one a bad death that will constantly veil him from that will constantly that will consequently veil him veil from him in the fire of hell is one of the qualities of the pious. To be in constant fear of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take my life and extract my soul. I'm worried. Will I die a beautiful death? Will I die a death in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with me? Some of them used to remain so immersed in this anxiety that they didn't even realize who was sitting near them. Whenever Hassan al-Basri rahimahullah heard the hadith which informs that the last person to leave hell will do so after 1,000 years, he would say, I wish I could be that person. I wish for myself that I could be that person. One of his students, he asked, why do you wish for this? He replied, will he not leave hell? Will he not eventually leave Jahannam at some point? At least I'll be guaranteed Jannah. In other words, there will undoubtedly be those who will forever remain in hell. Whereas this person is better than them, and there is a chance of me being one of them. Something I dislike. That is why I pray for myself not to be amongst those who will remain therein forever, but to be, but to be from those who will one day depart. Even if that person is the very last one to leave, as he will at least be safe from this ordeal. Sufyan al-Sawri rahimullah would say, whoever becomes content on his religion, Allah will make him taste the repercussions of fearlessness. Imam Abu Hanifa rahimullah used to say, the faith, the iman of most people is seized at the time of death. This is because shaitan digs deep and thus totally uses up his strength to lead astray. Very few survive his tricks. Allahumma hafazna minhu. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us from shaitan. Astonishment of the angels. 
Bishr al-Hafi rahimullah, he says, when the angels ascend the skies with the, with the soul of a believer who died as a Muslim, they say in astonishment, how did he escape the deception of this world? Another scholar, he says, Rabi ibn Al-Kuthaym, rahimullah, he says, the soul of a person exists in the state that used to be predominant, that used to be the predominant state before death. To support this point, he mentions a story. I visited someone experiencing the pangs or the pain of death. Whenever I would instruct him to repeat La ilaha illallah, that there is no one worthy of worship but Allah, he would begin to calculate the amounts of money his debtors owed him and so forth. Mutrif ibn Abdullah rahmatullah says, I do not feel astonished at those who end up being spiritually destroyed, but I feel astonished at those who slipped the net and survived at the time of death. As it is not difficult to lose faith while living in this world, but it's difficult to safeguard it. Therefore, the biggest gift from Allah, the Most High, to one is to be granted death on Islam. Death on faith is a big blessing. Zayd ibn al-Aslam Zayd ibn Aslam rahimullah used to say, If death was in my hands while making Islam my friend, I would have caused my lower self, yani my nafs, to taste the flavor of death. It is not in my hands, hence I am helpless. Shufiyan al-Sawri rahimullah cried so much on one occasion that he fainted. A servant asked him the cause of it. He said, we used to lament our sins before, but now we cry on the thought of whether or not our Islam will be safeguarded. He used to say, at times a person is worshipping idols, but he is destined to be from the auspicious in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's most high knowledge. And then there is that individual who is so and very obedient to him, but he is destined to be from the wretched in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge. The hadith states how some people strive for paradise to the extent that remaining between them and paradise is only the distance of a hand span. Yet whatever Allah most high has predetermined dictates in such a way that he abandons the deeds set to enter him into paradise for those that lead to hell. Benefits of worrying about the hereafter. Yahya ibn Ma'ad rahimullah used to say, taking heed causes astonishing wisdoms to emanate from the treasures of a heart of a believer. A person then hears talk from him that shades approve of before which the scholars lower their heads Jurists display amazement and the literalists hasten towards eager to learn. Shufiyan al-Sawri rahimullah says, Fear and sorrow in a believer is according to his light, nur of foresight. His fear and sorrow will be to the extent to which he possesses the light, this light of foresight. Muhammad ibn al-Wasi rahimullah yari's face, due to the intensity of his sadness, would look like that of a mother who had lost her child. Its effect was such that the harshness of the heart of anyone seeing him in that state would transfer into gentleness. He would advise one out to seek companionship or take as their sheikh that individual who at first look, before any words are shared, comes across as someone who is more advanced in religion than him and has the capacity to be one. Wahab ibn al-Ward would say, Allah via revelation told Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam, wash your heart. He asked, O oh Allah, how can I achieve that as water, as water cannot reach it? The command arrived. 
The heart is not washed with water, but with the, with grief and sorrow. You should express extreme grief, sadness, and sorrow on things from me which you have not fulfilled or have fear of not fulfilling in the future, and with it wash your heart and burn it. Ibrahim ibn Adham would say, Just as the source of bodily illness is bodily diseases, similarly the origin of the ailments of the heart is sin. Allah has provided a remedy for a remedy for every malady, and that is why He has created remedies for the ailments of the heart too. They are sorrow. When one becomes this, when one becomes uh, despondent due to his sins, his tears will be transferred from his eyes to his heart whereby he will lament through his heart rather than his eyes, which will lead to his spirits being raised and good health will return. Your beard has turned white. Why don't you apply hair dye? Someone asked him. He replied, Applying hair dye would be considered an adornment, whereas we are in a state of mourning day and night. What has adornment got in common with mourning? This patient of love Ensure he does not become cured. Bishr ibn al-Harith rahimullah was asked, Why is it that we see you in a constant state of sadness? He replied, I am someone for whom the king has issued an arrest warrant concerning claims of governmental and non-governmental matters. He has yet not been called to answer. Hence, as, hence fears as to what will be the outcome of many charges against him, and it is therefore necessary for him to remain sad and remorseful. He would say every affliction sooner or later ends other than that caused by sins which is revived on every breath taken. The cause of sorrow brought upon one, one by other perpetrations eventually ends or becomes a distant memory, resulting in the sorrow to end as well, whereas the sadness caused by sin, its cause grows in strength as time elapses. This is because death and its trial is getting near all the time, thus making it necessary for it to grow on every breath draw in. Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib would cry and lament, Beasts, birds and fish will find tranquility after they die. But I will not find tranquility even after I die. I will be imprisoned due to my deeds instead. Hatib ibn al-Jali's practice was such that when everyone would rejoice, he, on the day of Eid, would assemble his wider family and sit and weep together. Someone asked him, Why is it that the whole world rejoices on Eid, but on Eid day, but you weep? He replied, I am a servant of Allah who has been ordered by Allah to obey Him and refrain from sin. Yet I do not know if I have fulfilled the requirements of His commands and prohibitions. How can I be happy? Celebrating on Eid befits those who have no concern for the hereafter. The audience of fear not and grieve not. On the verse, لا تخافوا ولا تحزنوا Fear not and grieve not. Hatim al-Asm, Rahimullah used to say, Fear and sorrow will be no more for those who feared sin and sank in sorrow in the worldly life. That then leaves those who committed sins expressional remorse or boastful and walked with a strut. They will not be of those who will not they will not be of those who will not fear nor display sorrow. Mu'az ibn Jabal radiallahu ta'ala would say it is not appropriate for one to express joy until he passes the bridge over hell. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would say, Whenever Jibra'il alayhi salatu wa salam would appear before me, 
he looked terrified and shook in awe of Allah. Wahab ibn Munabbih rahmatullahi alayhi would say, Allah made Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam his friend, his khalil, because he feared him considerably. This resulted in people hearing his heartbeat from afar. Musa ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala would say, Sufyan al-Sawri rahimallah's dread and weeping and wailing when we sat with him would make us feel as though we were surrounded by fire. Fudail ibn Iyad rahmatullahi alayhi would say, there even exist those servants of Allah whose hearts become scattered only to unite afterwards upon remembering the magnificence of their Lord. This process would repeat itself until they passed away. He would say that the fear of Allah in a person is according to his level of knowledge, of ma'rifat of him. Ibrahim ibn al-Harith would not raise his gaze towards the heavens in fear and shame as the heavens are the direction, the qibla of supplication and gazing towards it would be gazing towards Allah. It has been reported that on occasions fear would overcome Sufyan al-Sawri, Malik ibn Dinar and Fudayl ibn al-Iyad in a fashion that they would begin walking without knowing in what direction they were heading. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instill within us the fear and sorrow at the level of our pious elders. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik wa nashadu an la ilaha illa ant nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaykum.